Welcome to the Simmons Insurance Podcast. Um, today we're discussing the FCA's current consultation on the new consumer duty, uh, as this is likely to be a key regulatory change project which firms need to gear up um, for the next year. I'm Caroline Hunter-Yates, one of our contentious regulatory partners, and I'm joined today by Alex Ainley, one of my regulatory partners who's been working with uh, clients very closely on their response to the consultation. Uh, Tom Makin, one of our contentious regulatory specialists. Robert Allen, my partner who specialises in defending firms facing consumer litigation. And Erica Pagano, our head of legal innovation and design at Simmons Wavelength, which is our legal engineering division. The consumer duty consultation is causing quite a stir in the market. Indeed, one of the chief uh, risk officers that we spoke to recently described it as his number one priority. But before we delve into the detail, um, Alex, can I turn to you and, and can you just remind us of the background and how the FCA has ended up here? Sure. Thanks, Caroline. Well, the FCA has been considering a consumer duty for some years and has previously taken the view that a new set of rules wasn't necessary and it could adequately meet its consumer protection objective using powers it already had available under existing rules and principles. But it has effectively been told by Parliament that it now has to consult and there is a statutory obligation placed on the FCA under the Financial Services Act 2021 to make new consumer duty rules by August 2022. So as a result, in May this year, the FCA published consultation paper 2113, um, a consultation regarding a new proposed consumer duty, the intention being to clarify and reset the basis on which firms' engagement with retail customers is regulated. And essentially what the FCA says is it wants firms to be putting themselves in their customers' shoes and asking themselves questions such as, would I be happy to be treated the way my firm treats its customers? Or would I recommend my firm's products and services to my friends and family? So the FCA's intention is that the new consumer duty will impose clearer and higher expectations on firms and will shift the regulatory expectation onto the actual outcomes experienced by customers. So while this is a consultation, our view is that this new duty is coming. Indeed, the recent FCA feedback statement on consumer investments made it clear that one action it would take is to implement its consumer duty. So at this stage, the industry is really just trying to shape what it will look like. Thanks, Alex. I mean, I suppose the other question is why we've ended up with a new duty being consulted on. I mean, you know, it's kind of what issues is the FCA trying to solve? Yes, well, the FCA considers that consumers don't always get the products and services that that they need or that give them the outcomes that they reasonably expect and the FCA thinks this is partly because uh, consumers ability to make good decisions can be impaired by things like information asymmetries uh, consumers being in a weaker bargaining position um, or perhaps a lack of understanding on their part and also fairly well understood behavioural behavioral biases. So what we mean by that is misjudgment about things and non-rational decision making. And these factors tend to have been exacerbated at times by poor practices at some firms. So for example, misleading or difficult to understand information, products and services that don't actually deliver the benefits expected, uh, poor value in products and services, poor customer service, uh, service, and then certain behaviours 
which the FCA refers to as sludge practices, which basically are thought to exploit things like vulnerabilities, inertia, biases and information asymmetry. Yeah, none of that paints a pretty picture. And actually, um, I note the FCA has included a succinct summary of its intended purpose of the new duty uh, in the consultation paper. And it, it probably helps um, listeners if I just quote this. What the FCA said is, in short, we want firms to act in good faith to avoid causing harm, to empower consumers by placing them in a position where they are able to make effective decisions so that consumers can take responsibility for their actions and decisions. Our proposals would equip consumers to take this responsibility by requiring firms to get it right in the first place and to continually self-assess so that they can justify the appropriateness of their business models and the treatment of their customers. And I have to admit that all sounds eminently sensible, um, but as always, I su suspect the devil is in the detail. Now, I know the consumer duty's got three parts to it. We've got the consumer principle, the cross-cutting rules and the four outcomes. Um, before I ask Tom to introduce the consumer principle, Alex, do you mind just explaining who and what the duty is expected to apply to? Sure. So the, the duty will apply to regulated products and services provided by firms to retail clients. Um, and what we mean by that is it will catch firms that deal directly with retail clients, but it will also catch firms involved in the manufacture or supply of retail products and services, even if those firms actually don't deal directly with the retail clients themselves. Um, and I suppose the other thing to note is that um, Retail clients here is a broader category than just consumers. It, it, it also includes any other type of client categorised as retail. So, for example, SMEs. So perhaps calling the duty the consumer duty is giving uh, some in the market an impression that it's a narrower consultation um, than, in, than in fact it is. Um, Tom, can I hand over to you now to introduce the consumer principle? Absolutely. Um, so the consumer principle reflects the overall standard of behaviour that the FCA expects from firms. Um, the wording being consulted on is in two parts. So first, a firm must act in the best interests of retail clients. And the alternative is a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail clients. And what the FCA wants is the principle to set a, a proactive expectation as to conduct and, and not to represent um, a, a sort of a tick box approach. And the people that we've spoken to in the market are quite clear that good outcomes formulations are preferable um, because they're, they're more closely aligned to the FCA's stated intention of ensuring that firms extend their focus beyond um, narrow compliance with specific rules, but to also focus on delivering good outcomes for consumers. Um, but also because best interests of retail clients um, is a formulation that could be misconstrued as a fiduciary duty. Now, whilst the good outcomes formulation is preferable, there are definitely some challenges with it. So the most obvious is that there are circumstances in which there is, in fact, no good outcome for a customer. And it's not currently clear what the FCA's expectations would be in that circumstance. So, for example, a customer um, who makes a complaint which is correctly not upheld, it's difficult to see what um, about the outcome could be considered to be good in any circumstance. So the suggestion that's been made um, by a number of industry bodies and firms is to amend the wording of the good outcomes formulation to be fair outcomes. 
Now, um, we have some reservations as to whether that will find favour with the FCA because there is, of course, already an obligation to treat customers fairly, which is supported by six treating customers fairly outcomes. And the FCA has been quite clear in the consultation that the consumer principle is intended to set a higher duty than principle six. But it's a point that's been made um, by the industry and we're waiting to see what the FCA will will make of it. Thanks, Tom. Do you want to just move down a layer and, and cover the cross-cutting rules? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the cross-cutting rules are going to require three key behaviours from firms. So those are taking all reasonable steps to avoid causing foreseeable harm to customers, taking all reasonable steps to enable customers to pursue their financial objectives, and then third, acting in good faith. Um, everybody that we've spoken to um, thinks these are going to be challenging, in part because they're, they're drafted actually as very broad concepts, which are more akin to principles than rules. Um, what has particularly caused us and others to pause is the requirement that firms take all reasonable steps. Now, that is, of course, a lot of steps. It, it's less than a best endeavours obligation. Um, but it is an odd inclusion because it it conflicts with the FCA's stated intention to a, apply the concept of simple reasonableness to the entire duty. So you can foresee that these different interpretations of what all reasonable steps requires um, uh, between civil courts, different FCA supervisory and enforcement teams, and and particularly the FOS. And so once something's gone wrong, um, you know, we've all been in situations where it's very easy um, to look back at what a, a client could have done uh, and list out all the things that could have done to prevent an outcome. Um, what many people are concerned about is what, a, for example, a consumer-friendly financial ombudsman would do um, with that obligation to take all reasonable steps. So there has been a push for dropping the all um, in all reasonable steps. And again, we'll, we'll wait to see what the FCA makes of that um, observation. Thanks, Tom. Rob, one of the questions that many people ask is whether this is trying to shift too much responsibility onto firms in the event that things um, go wrong. What, what are your views? Um, yes, I mean, there is a, a good basis, I think, for um, thinking that. It's also worth noting uh, that um, when considering this, that the initial consultation uh, also invited views as to whether a private right of action for consumers should be available for breach of the duty. Um, Court-based remedies um, appear already to cover much of what's proposed in the consultation, for example, a common law or in the Consumer Rights Act or Consumer Credit Act, uh, which both, amongst other things, provide protection from unfairness. But the FCA has been very clear that they don't expect firms to protect their customers from risks that they reasonably believe that the customer understood and accepted. So really, this is more about firms establishing an environment in which customers can act in their own interests. The good faith obligation is an interesting one. Uh, the FCA says it expects firms to be honest and open and not take advantage of the imbalance in bargaining power. And similarly, uh, courts have previously considered good faith in this or a similar context as meaning fair and open dealing. An important point to note when thinking about all of these elements of the consumer's duty is that there is a reasonableness concept which is meant to flow through the whole thing. So the standard of care expected of a firm should vary according to the complexity of the product or service and its capacity to cause some harm. 
it will also depend on the firm's role in the distribution chain and, and what it can or cannot influence. And there'll be dif differences depending on what the customer reasonably expects. So there'll be different standards expected at the no frills end of the market compared to the top end, which largely reflects the differences in the expectations today. The standard of care will also need to vary according to customer needs. And in particular, it's important to consider customer vulnerabilities here, which is, of course, a hot topic with the FCA at the moment. Yeah, very hot topic. Um, if I just pick up and um, take everyone now through the four specific outcomes which underpin all of this. Um, the first one is communications. So that's supporting customers by enabling them to make informed decisions about financial products and services. The second goes under the heading products and services, and that's focused on ensuring that all consumer products are fit for purpose and represent fair value to customers. The third is customer service, so that's service that meets customer needs um, that they have you know, with their relationship uh, with the firm. The fourth is price and value, and that's really that the product represents um, fair value. And it's here that we expect to see a suite of rules and guidance that flesh out expectations for firms. Um, if we start at the top with communications, I mean, we're all familiar with the ideas of not framing information in a misleading way, not burying key information, providing sufficient information at the right time and tailoring communications to the channel that is used. But we know that the duty is intended to go beyond principle seven and that requires firms to consider how communications equip uh, customers to make effective decisions. And Erica, this is probably the right moment to bring you in and, and really bring to life some of the points that you've been discussing with clients about effective legal design in, in the context of the consumer duty. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Indeed, the FCA consumer duty touches on so many themes that are close to our hearts in legal design. Themes like more effective communication, empowering people with information, meeting accessibility needs, improved customer service, and more. So in legal design, we do this through a multidisciplinary approach that combines the best of law, data, science, and design to put the customer at the heart of the journey. And in doing so, we can generate better outcomes for all. Lest this sound like a lofty goal, especially on a Friday morning when we're recording this, um, it's actually a really practical exercise that documents improvements every step of the way. This is key when we're thinking about what the new consumer duty asks of us. For example, we can test the reading age and score the comprehension of any written text. We can run tests to see whether graphics are viewable by folks with sighted differences or whether a client's documents are compatible with screen readers. We have a basket of more than 30 objective and subjective tests that allow us to measure, document, and improve everything from accessibility to culture to the actual customer experience. At the end of the day, all of this work is about creating clarity, confidence, and trust, and of course, unlocking all kinds of other value along the way. What we seek is very much in line with the asks of the new duty. We're looking for information that is clear, that emphasizes what's really important. Information that is easy, it allows customers to do what they want, when and how they want. And information that is equitable, making customers feel confident that they're making the right decision. If we think about this in practical terms, can we really say customers with visual disabilities can make an informed decision if the information they get is written in black text on a dark blue background? 
No. And the consequence of that is that they won't make the decision which fits their needs, which unfortunately means they're not going to get a good outcome. This is a bit of a drastic example, but the idea cuts across many situations. For example, an everyday retail bank customer is unlikely to feel comfortable with or empowered by standard legalese. What's more, customer service and sales teams often spend valuable time translating the terms into language customers can actually understand, and there's lots of inefficiency and risk in, in doing so. The consumer duty is a clear call to action to change for the better. As previously mentioned, the duty also requires firms to monitor their behavior. Our in-house data science team helps us with this aspect of the duty by applying a data-led approach to monitor progress, make a detailed analysis, and produce meaningful reports in the format suitable for the FCA. So no matter where firms are starting on their consumer duty journey, and there's a broad spectrum there, we're well positioned to help from an end-to-end -end perspective. That is, understand where they are, where they need to be, how to get there, and how to report on that progress. We've got skills, science, and legal expertise to support at every step of the journey. Awesome. Thanks, Erica. Um, now, Tom, can you very, very quickly run us through the remaining outcomes? Absolutely. So the, the second outcome is around products and service. Um, and it's and it's about those being specifically designed to meet the needs of consumers and being sold only to those whose needs they meet. And this really reflects much of what's in prod and for some firms and services documenting how this has been done is going to be um, quite an interesting challenge. Um, the third outcome is customer service, which focuses on uh, meeting the needs of customers, enabling them to realize the benefits of products and services and to act in their interests without undue hindrance. Um, Alex mentioned earlier the problem of sludge practices that hinder customers from taking action that would benefit them. So for example, customer services processes that hinder customers from switching to another provider or canceling a product. And this is the outcome which is specifically designed to stop that problem. Um, finally, the final outcome is around price and value. And this is really ensuring that products and services represent fair value for consumers. Um, there is a real focus by the FCA on fair value at the moment. Um, general insurers will be particularly alive to that with the new product governance requirements that are coming into effect shortly. Um, and this is always an interesting area for the FCA because, of course, they are a conduct and not a price regulator. So this outcome is, I think, going to give rise to some interesting questions and some interesting discussions. Indeed, and you mentioned the challenges of implementing and evidencing the steps to be taken by firms to meet these requirements. And obviously, key to that's going to be the final rules and what they look like. So we know the next consultation is going to open at the end of this year, um, and I think we'll all just regroup at that point, um, and we can have another discussion about the impact of the duty on firms. So thank you all very much, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed this and found it useful. Thank you.